to the Stay at Home Mom Yarai podcast. You are about to listen to my mom. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like it, please give it five stars. Thank you. and welcome to the stay-at-home mom yeah right podcast i'm sarah smith your host and i'm so excited to be joined by melissa williams she is a mom of six a pastor motivational speaker and founder and ceo of reshare shay enterprises a multi-million dollar group of companies working in real estate event planning transportation and logistics welcome to the podcast melissa how are you today i am amazing thank you so much for having me um, you have six kids, right? What has this pandemic been like for you and your family? Yes, I have six. Yes. And I hate to sound this way because I know so many people have had a hard time with the pandemic, but this has been like the best time of our lives. It's so weird. <laughs> In what way? I um, really flourished during the pandemic. In what way? Always, I mean, way? my companies flourished financially. Financially, we grew. Um, my children got so many opportunities during the pandemic. Um, my daughter, she um, modeling and acting. She was um, a student at Georgia State University, but just graduated in May through the pandemic. The opportunities she got afforded her to relocate to Los Angeles. So she's there now, uh, West Hollywood, California. My Fantastic. son, um, it seemed unfortunate at first because it was his senior year of high school and plays basketball so we feel like oh he's going to miss out on all you know the playoffs and all of that stuff but um the fact that he that those things were canceled it kind of like worked in his favor because he didn't have to go through the traditional recruiting and stuff that most boys do and he got opportunities just based off the fact that they didn't get a chance to recruit (laughs) so it's like they didn't want to lose out so they you know he got so many opportunities and he ended up um, going to LSU, but he's going to um, pursue professional ball overseas, he's decided. So oh, we're wow. preparing for that. And I mean, just with, with all of us, me and, and all of my children, it's like things just blossomed out of the pandemic. It was like, um, you know, a seed that's in the dark that starts to bloom. You know, yeah. the darkness is actually a positive thing. That's how it was for us. The darkness of the pandemic was actually the dirt that we grew and blossomed in. So. And like I said, I feel bad saying it because I know so many other families didn't have the same experience with it, but it actually worked out well for us. Well, congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. That is awesome. How about you? And now that, like I said, now that that I said that, I feel bad. I'm like, was everything okay with you and your family? We were all good. It was nice to have everyone home and not having to rush off to sports. I have three little kids, well, 15, 13, and eight. So not having to rush off to everywhere, just activities all the time was nice to have everyone home and just kind of decompress, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because life is so fast paced. So it is nice sometimes to have an excuse to be able to just sit still and <laughs> not have to worry yes. about hectic calendars and one person being here, next person being there. So yeah, definitely it was definitely, and that's another positive thing of it as well. It gave me time to just kind of reflect and sit back and veg out and it'd be acceptable. Nobody looking like, you know, right. oh my goodness, why don't she, <laughs> right. why don't she get up? Um, as a black family with all the social un- unrest in the nation, what has this past year been like for you and your family? 
It's been really um, sad. Uh, I've had, had conversations with my children that I felt like I would never have to have raising children in 2021. Um, I know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the situation with um, Botham Jean, the young man that was shot by the off-duty police officer that came home and went to the wrong apartment. It was his apartment. And she thought he was in there to rob her or something. And she shot him. Uh, He was sitting on the couch eating a bowl of ice cream. And she shot and killed him. That was right around the corner from our house. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Sounds like just like Breonna Taylor, right? (laughs) Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's, oh. it's all the same, just, just oh. silliness. But to have to explain to my children, you know, why are they marching outside of those apartments? Well, well some, someone was killed. Okay, well, what happened? It was a mistaken identity. And, you know, what does that mean? What was he doing? He was just sitting on his couch eating ice cream, but someone went into the wrong home and thought he was an intruder. And so it's like, you know, just having to explain race relations and why things are kind of hot and heavy and stuff. It's, it's been interesting journey, but um, and like I said, definitely not one I expected. If you had asked me, you know, 20 years ago, if I would have to have these type of conversations with my children, I, I would be like, oh no, it'd be, we won't have to be dealing with that, you know, 20 years right. from now, <laughs> which I guess is our problem because we keep saying that, but we've been dealing with it for hundreds of years. So it's like, at right. one point are we going to realize that this is not going away anytime soon, but right. yeah, it's, it's definitely been challenging and really sad. How old are your children? I have, uh, my daughter's 22. My only okay. son is 19. Then I have uh 14. Well, she's 15, okay. now 15, 13, 12, and seven. Okay. So I have 15, 13 and eight. So relatively okay, right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those teen years. <laughs> God bless oh, us yeah. all. You have a story to tell, and that is one of an overcomer. Can you share your story? Sure. Well, um, probably the the first obstacle I had to overcome, it was 19. My dad was 20 when I was born, and they were still, of course, unestablished. And um, so, a lot of my youth was being raised uh, with my grandmother's assisting really uh, heavy. I, my grandmother was like my nanny or babysitter. I was at her house every day and um, we struggled a lot financially, um, was evicted, you know, from our home at times because of uh, the lack of resources and funding. And so um, that was the first obstacle I had to overcome, you know, being a, a kid and um, kind of like your life starting out that way. Um, at the time, of course, I didn't understand it and I didn't, um, you know, grasp what kind of um, repercussions it would have for me later on in life. But um, it did because uh, as an adult, I kind of recreated that um, experience. And I did some time, you know, me and my children um, in a homeless shelter and um, dealing with homelessness and, and that sort of adversity. So. Um, So, yeah, that was the first hurdle I had to overcome is just, um, I guess, really just learning how to um, sustain, you know, in in, in a healthy environment. And and then, you know, like I said, the poverty kind of factored into why I had the drive that I did to really um, go as hard as I did in my businesses and build those, fight for so many years. 
with all of my responsibilities and stuff as a mother and wife and at times to um, still um, be successful in my business came a lot from the fear of, of living life the way that I remembered as a kid and, and you know trying to prevent it from recurring ongoing as an adult. So um, definitely those were some of probably the earliest adversities I had to deal with. So you experienced homelessness while you were while you had children, while you were a mother. Yes. How many children? Did you- um, my uh, actually twice. I I had to stay in a, a homeless shelter. Um, I was married uh, first as a young woman, and then I remarried again um, later on in life. But with my first husband, um, things kind of gotten a little abusive and toxic living environment. So um, that's where I dealt with the domestic violence and things of that nature. And so I um, left and, and went to a domestic violence shelter at that time. And then later on, um, just um, like I said, trying to get back on my feet and stuff, I chose to stay at one again, as opposed to going back home. And um, I kind of want to keep it a secret from my mom and my family, what, what I was dealing with or what I was going through. So that was how I chose to handle it was to go back to the shelter, um, you know, during some additional rough times in my life. So, yeah. Um, what was that time like for your children, for you and your children, when you were experiencing the homelessness? Very difficult because it's funny how you um, see people day to day and you don't know what they're going through right. at home. So it's like I still had to put on that face to be um, go to work. My children had to go to school, and in the evenings we would go and sleep at the shelter. We had a room at the shelter, so it was very, um, it was a very trying time because it could be a little um, degrading and taxing on your self-esteem and your self-worth. And um, you know, of course, my children handled it beautifully as kids usually mm-hmm. do, but um, that was something that I always concerned was concerned about how it would manifest in their life later on, as I as with me so you know I was went through a period where I um, try to combat any long-term effects of that but it was definitely very trying um definite blow to like I said my self-worth self-esteem who I thought I was as a mother Did you have any support system during that time? No, because I um, my, I have a problem with pride. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, honest self-analysis. So, mm-hmm. well, most of my difficulties that I've gone through in life, probably my family will be shocked. I always say, you know, when my mom reads the magazines or the interviews, I, it's funny because she hasn't yet said anything, but I always wonder what's going through her mind when she reads these things. Or watches them and she thinks, why didn't she call me? Why didn't she come back home? Why did I just felt like I'm gone? I've got myself into this situation. I'm gonna get myself out. So most of the time I went through a lot of that stuff alone because I didn't want to have to admit how low or in dark my life had gotten at some times, some points, and then just always wanting to um, you know, put on that face that everything is okay. So I never wanted to go back home and tell my family, my mom what I was going through or, you know, uh, friends and things. I just always kept it a secret and just dealt with it on my own. 
are incredible. How were you able to move past um, experiencing homelessness? It really wasn't that difficult because, like I said, I um, because of my pride, you know, I I was determined um, to come out of it and um, move forward. You know, it was like no other way, but there was no other choice but to come out of it and move forward and turn it into a positive um, and use it to try to help people, um, you know, turn that lemon into lemonade. So um, I was able to get into a program that assisted with housing and, um, you know, get, get stabilized and get on my feet with the kids and just move forward. And like I said, sought out counseling for them and um, got counseling myself and just focused on um, moving forward in a healthy, positive way. Did you have a breakthrough moment where you're like, okay, I'm done. Like we're out of here and we're moving on. It was really the breakthrough moment really came before I went. It was kind of like a decision I made for myself. I was like, okay, I'm going to go and stay here for a couple of months and never again, I'm going to get on my feet and this will ne- I'll never be in this situation. So I kind of went into the shelter with the, the mindset that, I'm going to come through this and this will never be, I'll never revisit this chapter again. Well, you are truly an overcomer because now you have multi-million dollar businesses, plural, <laughs> and as well as your pastor and, you know, mom of six and motivational speaker. Um, what was the last subject of your motivational speech? Hmm. The last subject, I think I spoke to, um, it was a group of women that was graduating from, I did like the graduation speech for the Salvation Army's um, program. They have four homeless women. Um, so they were kind of like graduating from the program when they were being assisted with finding jobs and homes and things of that nature. And um, the topic was just, you know, what we're talking about now, just overcoming and recognizing that where you've been doesn't dictate where you're going. And don't let your adversities um, have a negative effect on your self-esteem and self-worth. You still deserve great things. You deserve to have a seat at the table. And you um, are entitled to whatever opportunities that you want to create for yourself and for your family. Who inspires you? Oh, so many people. I think about that all the time, how wonderful especially women are. (laughs) I think about so many women like, um, I mean, on TV, um, you know, my family, my mom inspires me, Uh, my grandmother, my, I I look at, of course, the notables like Oprah. I loved uh, my Angelou. Um, I mean, I I could talk about Maxine Waters, the politician. I love her. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Like I could, I could talk all day about inspiring women and, Um, I just love, like I said, women who uh, command um, respect and um, go for what they want, despite all the odds, despite all the naysayers and criticism, Um, you know, that just fuels me. What would um, your message of hope be to someone who is facing a tough time right now? Um, that everything is temporary. 
And the only thing that we can count on is change. Change is the only constant in life. So nothing we're going through is permanent. just to keep that in mind that, you know, um, life is a journey. And when you're going on, embarking on a journey, you're going to face inclement weather. You may face, uh, have a wreck. You may get pulled over by the police, you know. When you're going on a physical journey in a car, there's all kind of obstacles and things that can derail and um, delay that journey. But you know, if you continue on, you're going to eventually reach your destination. The same with life. We're going to face all kind of things that will threaten to derail us and, and delay what we want for ourselves and our family. But if we just continue on the journey, continue on the path, we'll eventually reach the destination. Yes. What would you tell your younger self? Oh, so much. <laughs> we would have a long conversation. <laughs> but probably um, one of the biggest things is I would tell my younger self to love myself um, because we struggle, especially as young Black girls, so much with self-esteem and the messages that we're getting from the media and from society and even in our own culture and homes um, that we have to look different. We have to be smaller. We have to have longer hair, lighter skin. Um, be educated at this place, have this type of man, you know, do, do all these things when none of them matter, you know, at the end of the day, we're enough just as we are. And so I uh, definitely would tell my younger self that you're enough and, you know, to love yourself. Uh, you have four businesses, as I keep saying, which is incredible to me. And you've come so far and you've done so much. What is on your bucket list? Oh, um, I do want to write a book soon. Um, I want to, I, I used to be on, in radio and I kind of enjoyed that. So I'm really looking into possibly um, buying a radio station or getting back into radio some kind of way there. And just to keep um, maintaining what I have, you know, I want my businesses to continue to grow. Like I said, I'm inspired by Oprah. So I always say once she wants to retire or, you know, <laughs> take a step back, I want to be next in line. I want, you know, I have the, you know, the features and Forbes and, and Entrepreneur Magazine and different things like that. But I want the covers and I want the lists and all of the things that the accomplishments that Oprah has had. I would love to be next in line for those things. So. Those are definitely some bucket list items. That's exciting. I can't wait to see you. (laughs) (laughs) See all that you're going to do and accomplish. That is very exciting. Um, With everything that you've done and continue to do, do you have time for self-care? Oh, that's a must. Yes. I, uh, that's something else too, as black women, um, we always are made to feel like we have to be super and, Um, you know, put our needs on the back burner, um, especially as mothers and wives, you know, it's always put your husband first. Is is he okay? Put your kids first. Are they okay? And, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I'm very intentional about making time for self-care because I can't, the only way I can do all the things that I do is if I'm 100%. And so I'm, I'm very intentional about ensuring that I'm taking care of me and so I can pour into anybody else. What exactly do you do? Oh, a number of things. I'm big on, um, of course, the physical side of self-care. So I'm 
not going to miss my facials, my hair appointments, my nail appointments, yeah. spa visits. Um, and then also, like I said, the mental and emotional as well, you know, whether it's counseling, whether it's, you know, yoga, whether it's church, uh, you know, even something so simple as just having time to yourself travel to uh, where alone and um, lay in bed and listen to music, put your earbuds in and listen to music. I mean, whatever it is that I feel like my, my soul or my energy is yearning for, um, you know, to be okay. I, I don't uh, keep that from myself. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. uh, amazing. Um, I thank you so much, Melissa, for taking the time out tonight to speak with me and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Likewise. You have just listened to the stay at home mom. Yeah. Right. Podcast with my mom. I hope you enjoy listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you liked it, please give it five stars. Thank you.